back in Revelation 22. I think last week we needed our aim to get to verse 5 and we got to verse 2. But boy, it was worth it. Remember, we, we entered into the New Jerusalem the week before, the month before. We were looking at the outside of that New Jerusalem, this new heaven, new earth, just really considering the vastness of it. And again, remember, it will stretch the size of Canada down to the Gulf of Mexico and the Rockies over to the East Coast. Um, as wide it is, that's how tall it is. And uh, some, some math folks have done the math and they said, if there's 20 billion people in glory, everyone will have a, a, a square acre. And uh, you know what, I, I know this, the Lord's got it all planned out. He's got it all set up and uh, he's building it perfectly for all of us to walk with him, to rejoice in him. We'll see tonight, not only to rest in him and to worship him, but to serve him forever. And that's indicating that, yes, we will rest, but we will be active as well. And we have a glorious future before us as it's already been, you know, laid out before us. And we'll see again tonight that there'll be no moon, there'll be no sun because it will all be lit by the Lord. And we'll see this morning that the throne of the Lord will be in this new Jerusalem and that's where the light will radiate and come from and rightfully so because Jesus is the light of the world and in the beginning there was light because God spoke and it came to be and I'll tell you that light comes you know what in a in a way to all men in the sense that the Holy Spirit convicts all men of sin righteousness and judgment and sadly uh, you know what many run from that light and the Lord talks about that and John 3 will probably touch a bit on that tonight we saw last week as well in this new Jerusalem that there is a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal that proceeds from the throne. And we consider that, you know, the fact that before man fell in the garden, there was a river of life, but there was no sin, so man couldn't die, yet there's a river of life there. Of course, again, we know that we need water for practical life today. And then we consider that spiritual water that comes from the Lord Jesus that you know, really comes when we get saved as the Spirit of God baptizes into the body of Christ. And we talked about the Word that washes us. And, you know, at those torrents of living water, the Lord spoke of concerning the Spirit of God at work in our life. And then in this new Jerusalem, in the millennial reign, there will be a water of, you know, what, a, a river that comes from the throne that purifies that dead sea. And then in this new Jerusalem as well, a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, though there'll be no death, and yet there's a water of life and we just consider that and talked about that and I think it was worthy taking the time to do it and then also just to rejoice that again we can drink today of those things we can get washed today hopefully we'll get washed tonight you know hopefully daily we're just asking the Lord to strengthen us with the spirit of God I mean why walk through life in our own efforts when the Lord says if we're evil or we're sinners and we know how to give good gifts to our children how much more were our heavenly father give the spirit of god to those who ask and how often do we have not because we ask not the lord wants to strengthen us he wants to empower us he wants to all the more bring those abundant fruits of the spirit of god into the life just as we saw will be there in that millennial city and so we want to be aware of these things oftentimes the any of our soul works hard for us to forget of all the aid and all the help we have in the Lord, if we would just humble our hearts and cry out and, you know what, come before him in honesty and truth and so forth. Again, we also saw there's a tree of life that's there in the middle of the streets of gold there in this new Jerusalem. And we talked about the tree of life in the garden. Again, man was told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or he would die and he ate of that tree Again, thinking he'd be like God, death set in. There was also a tree of life there. Remember, man forbid him. And boy, what a great blessing because it seems clear if man would have ate of that tree, we would be in a state like this forever. And I know that appeals to a lot of people. I was talking to someone the other day and they're like, I think with the advances of technology, my children will live to be 120 years old. And I'm thinking, I don't know if that sounds too appealing or not. Of course, you know, they'll be like 70-year-olds, though. 
And uh, I'm 53 and I'm thinking at 70. I don't know if that appeals to me either. I'm, you know, it's like, man, people grasping to hold on to this. It's a fallen, broken world. Praise God. We have a purpose here to serve God, to walk with the Lord. But again, we ate of that tree when we came to the Lord spiritually and we'll eat of that tree in glory. And we saw again, the leaves of that tree will be the healing of the nations. And I think that's just, you know, at least in part will be a reminder to us of that picture of the cross of Calvary that brought that healing as we'll never forget the work of the cross for all of glory. Well, tonight as well, we're gonna see, we'll look a little bit more of the city again that the curse is gone. We'll serve the Lord. It's all lit by the Lord. And then we'll see assurances given that all these words we're looking at are faithful and true. All the words of scripture and all the words of this prophecy, all the time that we spent over the last year in this book, all these things talking about, again, the exhortations and promises to us right now as the church, the coming of the Lord for his church, this great tribulation that's going to unfold, all Israel coming to salvation, the literal second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and us coming back with them, the millennial reign of the Lord, and again, the new heaven, the new earth, all these things will come about and we'll see tonight that they will take place shortly. That was written a few thousand years ago. So if shortly again, if that word were, were you know, at the timeline was put on shortly, like I, I would think that we're right there almost at the, the end of that why there. He's coming soon. And there's encouraging words here for us tonight because the Lord, and even if right now you're like, well, you know what, you're looking at this new stuff and I don't really agree with that or whatever and you're interpreting it all wrong. You know what, maybe I am, but I know this. Jesus said, and we'll see it in the passage tonight, behold, I am coming quickly and Jesus is not a liar. And notice even the title tonight, Behold, I am coming quickly. Notice what it says, part one. Because soon after this, and this is the last, again, book of the Bible, the last chapter of the book, he'll say, Behold, I am coming quickly. And then again, right at the very end, you know what, last instructions, that last little thing, you know what, Behold, I am coming quickly. So we want to behold, we want to take note, he is coming quickly. He absolutely is. And then again, he says, blessed are those who keep the words of this prophecy. And then we'll see if we get to verse eight and nine, we might aim. We're gonna see that John is amazed in these things. And, you know, again, John's getting revelation of these things, but John's still a man like us. And we'll see him making the error of being led by emotion over truth. And he bows down and begins to worship this angel again. And he says, hey, stop. Look at worship God and heed God's word. And I think it's a real reminder to us even, you know what, in this life we're in right now because we have a lot of emotions and sometimes it's even even to get emotional with, with things of the word. And again, emotions can be good, but emotions can also be our downfall because if we start to follow emotions into a place of error and we start worshiping in a way that God's not called us to, especially if it's angels and whatnot, our emotions don't triumph over God's word. Amen. We got a call to worship according to a biblical prescription. And so we'll see if we get to that or not. Look at, let's read verse one and two again, and then we'll go down to verse nine and we'll dive into this. I did pretty good. That was only like a 12 minute intro. Sometimes I do the intro and I look up and it's like 25 after. So you guys must be praying for me or something here. So it says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And then verse three, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads, and there shall be no night there. there they, they need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophet sent his angel to show his servant these things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Notice that exclamation point. 
Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, see that you don't do that. For I'm your fellow servant and of your brother and the prophets and of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. So again, verse three, there should be no more curse. Do you guys realize how awesome that is? No more curse. You got a backache tonight? Guess what? It's from that curse. You got bills you got to pay, and maybe you're like, how am I going to pay those bills? That's from that curse. You got worries, maybe fears you're wrestling with. That's from that curse. You got things you got to work through with whatever or whoever or whenever. That's from that curse. The death, the destruction of the world is from that curse. Wars in the world are from that curse. We could go on and on and on and on and on. When man sinned in that garden, a curse came and everything changed. We already alluded to it again. God formed man out of dust, breathed life into him, set him in that garden. Eat of any of these trees, you're going to be blessed. But if you eat of that one tree, you're going to die. He's saying a curse is going to come in. There's going to be separation. Separation between me and you. I'm holy. This would be going against my word. This is sin. Sin brings death. And God does not commune with those who have not entered back into a life relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we know how the account unfolds. We talk about it often and we need to because we learn so much from it. We can get so much understanding back there from Genesis 1 through 3. We know that serpent came along and tempted Adam, tempted his wife whom the Lord had given to him as well. And again, what's he do? He comes and he begins to question God. Did God really say? You know, God's the bad guy. God knows the day you eat of that tree, you won't die. God knows you will be like him. Let's villainize God. Boy, again, that's always the work of the devil, to villainize God. Villainize God is God's fault. God's the giver of life. God laid down his life. God's word is true. God's word is pure. Again, this is where we have to use discernment. Because the enemy will come and bring those kinds of lies and it's easy for our flesh to hear that and begin to walk in it, to begin to receive that counsel. Remember, Eve received that counsel and she was beguiled by the serpent. Again, we talked about that Sunday where Paul says, I fear for you that you'll beguiled by the serpent. That someone will come with another gospel, another Jesus, another spirit and you'll listen. And so he comes and he says, again, God knows that you eat of it, you'll be like him. And, and then the woman, again, she got away from God's word and began to look at it, began to consider it. She ate, she gave to her husband, he ate. And listen, everything changed, right? Immediately, Adam knew he was in sin. He knew that covering that was over him of the Lord was gone. He looked and it said, I don't got clothes on where before there was no shame because there was no sin, there was no perversity. And what's he do? He runs and he hides himself. And aren't you glad that God went and sought out Adam? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Sought him out, began to question him and so forth. Of course, you know what? They begin to blame everyone. It's this woman you made, you know? <laughs> And she's like, it's the serpent. And they're fighting and they're angry at God because of the lies and blaming and so forth. And God says, you ate of that tree, now there's a curse. You came from the dust to the dust you'll return. There could be pain at childbirth. I know all the, many of the ladies here know about that. Thorn and thistle, you're going to earn your keep by the sweat of the brow. Again, they have two kids, and next thing you know, one slays the other. Didn't it take a whole long time for wickedness to set in, did it? A curse came. 
Again, you look around and you're like, why is this in the world? Why is that in the world? Why do we have these struggles and so forth? If there was a God who loved me, wait a minute, wait a minute. God put man in a place. I said, what do you want to do? Do you want to follow me? Or do you want to follow? Remember we talked about Sunday, your, your own heart. Nothing good came out of that. Nothing good. Boy, there's a curse. You look at all the stuff in the world, it all goes back to one thing, that curse in the garden. You're like, who, who, who started COVID-19? Is it real? Did it start in the lab and so forth? We could go back. Can we trace it? We'll just keep going all the way back. And guess what? It goes back there to the garden. It all goes back there. But praise God. Listen, guys, is Jesus your Lord tonight? Can you say amen to that? Amen. Hear this. And there shall be no more curse. Can we say amen? amen? No more curse. We read earlier, no more pain, no more sorrow. No more tears. A perfect relationship with the Lord. A perfect relationship with one another. But hear this again. It's, it's not just there's a curse and there's no more curse because that curse had to be removed. Someone had to pay the debt. We talked about it a few weeks ago. People were like, you know, they, 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 canceled, they, they canceled a bunch of that, that college debt, you know. And then the, the, the president, I'll just stop there. He's like, <laughs> basically like, hey, we're like Jesus. We've forgiven all that debt. I don't guys saw any of that. Blasphemy. These people that have no right to take anything of the Lord in their mouth. The Bible talks about the wickedness of that. We're forgiven debt. We're like God here. We put that all over the place. No, you're not. Because here's the thing, someone's still paying for that debt. Like they got rid of college debt, and guess what? You all got it now. I got it now. I went to Cuesta, and I don't have any college debt, but now I do. But here's the thing, our debt was paid for. It's been paid for. See, God runs balanced books. There's none of the shenanigans. There's none of this bad accounting and whatnot. He paid our debt, not with gold and silver, but with his precious, his, his precious blood. I'll just skip there in Galatians 3, right to verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. We deserved to be under that curse because of our sin. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Through faith. We were under that curse. It started with one man, then one man came who was a sinless man, and he went to the cross to pay the penalty of my debt and your debt. The scripture says the debt of the world was put upon him. He's the propitiation of our sins. It means he paid the price of our sins redemption came through the work of the cross and again that is available that promise that 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 lifting of the debt is how again through faith believing in jesus i know i'm a sinner i know i have debt and i know jesus lived a sin-free life and he paid for my debt no oh, lord wash me and forgive me i thank you lord i call upon your name Amen. and so we're here tonight in christ and positionally in jesus we are debt free praise god we're not under the law we're under grace like, I like to go under that law then, then you're gonna, owe, you're gonna owe that debt again. We're under grace. We're under the law of liberty, which means I am free now to serve God Almighty. I wanna serve God. I'm under the law of liberty. The Lord paid the curse, paid the price, I mean. Took the curse on himself. And see, this tells us in glory because there's no more curse, there's no more entropy. See, that, that's a, a law that everything is subjected to. Entropy, it's, it's real science. 
It's not, we, we believe in science and just, you know, unicorns and stuff we just make up. That's science to a lot of people. Real science, the law of entropy, which means everything is not evolving upward. Everything is falling apart. Everything is breaking down. We're in a gradual decline into a disorder. It happened. It all went back there to the garden. It's why right now I'm in a dilemma with my wife's Honda Pilot. 145,000 miles in. Had to do the new rack and pinion. Thank you, Adam. Had to get a new power steering pump. Thank you, Adam. Got a big dent in the fender. Oh, we won't blame Adam on that. <laughs> but it's all breaking down. I remember when that thing was brand new. We drove it off the lot. And I think it was 2011. And so now the big question is, do we, do, we, do we drive it for three more years? Do we do like the car before the, the Ford Expedition, which was a far better vehicle? And I do not, I'm not sponsored by Ford tonight. But do we drive it into the ground or we try to get something out of it? But listen, you have these dilemmas. It's all, and it goes back to the curse. But again, in the new Jerusalem, no curse. If we do have cars there and I don't know if we will or not. Look, you won't even need an oil change in it. Amen. Someone got the oil change today, no doubt. <laughs> There'll be none of that. I say it all the time, but I know myself, it's like I'm on a 10-year cycle of remodeling my home, and then after 10 years, I got to start over. I got to start at the other end again. But there'll be no more curse. I don't know. I don't know why I'm rattling on about all this tonight. Maybe it's just a word of encouragement. I'm encouraged by it. I like talking about it. I like rejoicing in it. And we need to remember it. We need to remember it in the midst of this. Our time here is short. I'm a sojourner. I'm passing through. I'm a pilgrim. I'm here to manage a few things for a little bit, but oh boy, I'm registered in heaven. A new heaven and new earth are coming. All this is passing. So let's be about the business of the Lord. Let's be about his business. Notice the throne of God and the lamb shall be in it, which again, we're in it. God's in it. The lamb's in it. The spirit of God's there. No more separation. We'll see in a minute, Lord willing, we'll see him face to face. Perfect fellowship with the Lord and praise God one another. And then notice here, and his servants shall serve him. That's us. We're servants of the Lord. We're adopted sons and daughters of God. We got many titles. We're kings, we're priests. We'll see in a bit, we're gonna reign with him, but we're servants of the Lord. I, I, hope, I hope that's not, I hope saying that doesn't make anyone go, oh, I don't wanna be a servant. What? I'm gonna have a mansion and I gotta, I'm gonna be a servant? I, I for all eternity, I just wanna lay there and be served. I, I, I just think of a big old feather and like grapes off the tree of life, you know, those trees and there's eternity, I'm just, I'm just laying here. That doesn't even appeal to my flesh. Maybe yours. Like maybe we'll do that a little bit here and there. Again, I know we'll have a perfect desire for God and it will, it will be perfectly fulfilled at every time. We'll have perfect contentment forever. There'll be no anxiety in glory, no depression in glory. No, again, wanting or longing. We're gonna have that perfect fellowship with him, but we will be serving. And I find that exciting. I really do. We know that we have a God. Our God is a creative God. First Corinthians 7, 22, for he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. I like what David said about serving the Lord. And I think, I know when David wrote this, he wrote it with prophetic utterance as the spirit of God moved on him of the joy of serving the Lord. And I believe this is even prophetic in speaking of this new Jerusalem. Psalm 84, 10. 
For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. There's a lot of tents of wickedness out there. I'll tell you, there's so much joy serving the Lord. And we get the privilege of serving him forever. Again, it shows heaven won't be a place of idleness, but it will be purposeful activity for eternity. And think about it as well. Adam, before he fell, still had a job to tend to the garden. Again, it wasn't like I put him in a garden and oh, what am I just, just going to hang out all day. He tended to the garden. But then after the fall, it became a garden with thorns and thistles. And there's still a great joy in labor and work and so forth. But there, there'll be no curse. But again, we will have jobs. No doubt. It's clear here. And we'll serve them. But at the same time, again, we're going to be in re- We're going to be at rest. Hebrews 4, 9, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God, for he who has entered his rest has himself also seek, cease from his works as God did from his. And again, those that reject him though, those that think, well, you know what, I don't want Jesus, I'm gonna you know, go to hell and we're gonna have a big party down there. People come up with nonsense. And again, the, the, the enemy works hard to peddle these, these lies and these scenarios but listen what it says outside of Christ. Revelation 14, 11, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and these shall have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. And again, we know that all those whose names aren't in the Lamb's book of life take part in that as well. All those who, again, jump over all those obstacles that God puts forward to keep people from going there. No rest for them forever. But we're going to have perfect rest and we are going to have perfect activity, perfect fellowship, and perfect worship unto God for forever. Notice verse 4 These shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. I think about Moses who had such a close relationship with the Lord and he longed to see the face of the Lord. He said, Please show me your glory. And then in verse 20 there of Exodus 33, he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see my face and live. But 1 Corinthians 13, 12 tells us, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, I know in part, then I shall know just as I'm known, uh, just also, as, uh, I, and I'll get it here. I shall know just as I also am known. And so again, See him face to face. And hear this tonight. Our eyes will finally be satisfied. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the eyes of man are never satisfied. Proverbs 27, 20, hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Our eyes will be satisfied in glory. At every turn. I, I think that again, when we walk in the spirit here and we 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 walk in God's counsel, I don't know if these eyes are fully satisfied, but I'll tell you they're a lot better off. I know this, I know men when they just keep their eyes on their wife and are intox, intoxicated with their wife and the beauty of their wife, and they give their wife, the affection due them. Guys, that affection of your eyes is due your wife and no one else. Believe it or not, your eyes, your eyes begin to get renewed and there's a satisfaction that comes. But when men listen to the lie and they say, I want my eyes everywhere else, their eyes are never satisfied. Man, that affection is due your wife, not all these other women. There's satisfaction that comes in that. That's part of the relationship that God puts together where you're intoxicated by the beauty of your wife, where you're enraptured with her, so to speak, in that love. 
And you say, my eyes are, are for her. And then, but, but men will believe the lie, but, but I'm being cheated. There's more to see. No, that, that, that affection's for your wife. And I'll tell you, you get your eyes on her and you say, I'm going to train my eyes. I'm going to discipline my eyes. Not only will she be blessed, but more than that, God will be blessed. And hear this, men, you will be blessed. But when the eyes begin to wonder, and how many men, well, I, I deserve it. I'm a hard worker and there's all this out there. They begin to wonder. There's no satisfaction. It's destructive, is it not? Almost all us men in this room can bear witness to it. Can we not? You become, the Bible says, you become like a crust of bread. You know what a crust of bread is good for? It's powerless. Birds come. And so oftentimes in the scripture, birds are a picture of the old devil. And they come and just snatch that away and fly off with it. I'll tell you, it opens up doors of wickedness. Our eyes will be satisfied completely then, but let's work now to walk in God's counsel. And then there's even just peace and rest and, well, this is just where we are. And so let's rejoice and be content in what we have. It doesn't mean that we can't have vision for, you know, future projects or whatever it would be. But, but there's a great joy in learning to be content Godliness with contentment is of great gain. But when we are just driven again by the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, there's no satisfaction. Boy, how glorious when we see him face to face, eyes fully satisfied. We won't even need blinders because again, fixated on him and there won't even be anything to for the flesh and the eyes to feast on, everything will be upright and holy and good. Again, it will be precursed and it will be glorious. It will be glorious. His name will also be on our foreheads. We'll each bear his name. There's a lot of mystery in all of this. We know that we won't be God, but we've read we'll be like him while still being individuals. We read earlier in Revelation 3.12, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. I will write on him a new name, my new name. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now I know this is where people go, hey, you know what? I have liberty to tattoo my forehead reading this. And again, I'll say, well, all things are lawful, but they're not all profitable. <laughs> but praise God, we're gonna have his name stamped on us. Verse five, there shall be no light there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun for the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever. Again, no night, no lamp, no need for the sun because Everything is going to be illuminated by the Lord. You know, when I think of that, I just think of a light so bright we can't even see. But obviously, it's going to be a perfect illumination that we will see, that we'll function in. I mean, I think even in this fallen world that we're in, we just step back and marvel at the sun and the moon and the stars and all that God provides through these lights he's put in the sky. Don't you marvel at it? If you don't marvel at that, start marveling at it. Let's, let's look past our phones and start looking up. We'll go, look at these stars. Look at that sun, look at that. It comes up every day. Well, I got nothing to be thankful for. Bro, the sun came up today. The moon's out there tonight. I don't know if we can see it or not, but even if you can, it's there. He sends his rain on the just and the unrighteous. And again, fittingly so, because as Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. And then he says, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have 
the light of life. And then often we think of John 3, 16. But if you jump down to verse 19, he says, this is condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who practices evil hates the light and does not come to light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Again, light has come into the world. Some men love their darkness rather than the light. Again, to come to the light, you have to humble your heart. You have to come and be exposed. But guess what happens when you do that? The Lord clothes you with a robe of righteousness. He is the light of the world. And then notice, they shall reign forever and ever, speaking about us, speaking about these servants. Again, he died that we could be kings and priests to his God to, to, and, and, and Father, as we read there in Revelation 1.5. And you could ask the question, well, how can a servant reign? What is it? Are we servants or are we kings and priests? Well, think about it. Jesus is the king of kings while at the same time being the greatest servant of all time. <laughs> Died for the sins of the world. And I'll tell you, there's practical application for us right now. Look at the call to reign is the call to serve. The way up in the body of Christ is down. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. We need to remember that. So easy to get caught up in pride. But when you just humble your heart, there's great freedom there. There's liberty found there. Verse six, then he said to me, these words are faithful and true and the Lord God of the holy prophet sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Guys, you hear tonight, these words are faithful and true. None of this is made up. These aren't fables. This speaks of the entirety of his words. Hello, Proverbs 8, 8, all the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. I know this, the more I study God's word, the more I teach God's word, I, I feel blessed to, to, as a young man, come you know, at, under, under a direction of just verse-by-verse verse Bible teaching. And I feel so blessed to have taught through many of the books of the Bible multiple times, all the books at least one time. The more I read it, the more that I get the privilege of studying it, the more, the more. And again, you get saved and the Lord just instills certain confidences in you. There's not a rising of doubts. All there is is this is phenomenal how all this is woven together and all of it is true. It's glorious. His word is true. And the words of this prophecy, of this revelation of Jesus Christ, listen, these words are faithful and true. And it's amazing, and, and you know, we, we kind of started into a, a prophecy thing on Wednesday nights. How long ago was that? Like, when was that, March? Was that, has it been three years now or two? Are we in the third coming this March with all this rigmarole and whatnot? And I don't know if we've had a Wednesday in all of that time where... It wasn't like this. With people coming out, wanting to hear the word. And I think it kind of started because, again, people are looking at all this stuff going on in the world. The Bible's talking about this. The Bible's real. And then as we are in here opening the Bible, hopefully, again, our faith is growing all the more and all the more we have an expectation of the Lord coming for his church. Because behold, he's coming quickly. And it all will absolutely 
it will all absolutely unfold. And it is unfolding. And I would hope that the Lord willing in, I want to say three weeks, but my math bad sometimes on this because we don't get as far as I think we will, that if we start the book of Joshua, it's all the more, these words are faithful and true. I want the word. I want to, I want to get in the word. All of the word. And again, remember it's an angel showing this to John. The Lord God of the holy prophets sent this angel to show his servant these things which must shortly take place. Again, the Lord God of the holy prophets. And again, these things prophesied in the scripture are prophesied by holy prophets who the Holy Spirit moved upon. And if you start having doubts about the scripture, get into the holy prophets and see what they prophesied and you will see how absolutely in response to, even if you just looked at the Lord's first coming, I mean, they are spot on. along with so many other prophecies, with so many things unfolding today. So many individuals, even in the course of time, who set out to disprove the Bible, begin to study, and like, wait a minute, this is true. <laughs> These things have happened, along with so many other evidences that are out there, but again, ultimately, you take the step of faith, and you believe or not. But everyone's got faith in something. And faith in the Lord will bring eternal life and faith in whatever else will bring eternal damnation. Notice as well, he says, these things which must shortly take place. They must shortly take place. And here this, they will shortly take place. You need to know tonight, there's no plan B. I remember a movie came out years ago and I'm not recommending anyone to go watch it called Armageddon. And I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I remember it had to do something with Bruce Willis in a spaceship trying to stop, to, 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 to divert an asteroid because they were gonna stop Armageddon from happening. And again, this is, this is carnal Hollywood. So the asteroid gets stopped and they rejoice. Oh, we stopped Armageddon. And as a believer, I'm like, oh, what a disappointment. But ultimately, again, there's no plan B. <laughs> and you look around the world and you see things, and we've talked so much about it, things lining up. Again, that Antichrist will rise up out of the sea. He'll rise up out of the nations because the nations are longing for an Antichrist, another Christ. The bulk of them don't want the Christ. Our culture is wanting to wash itself of the things of God outside of a remnant of folks and he will rise up and these things will unfold and in Christ Jesus we will triumph again his kingdom's not of this world he died and saved us to restore everything for this to continue on and he says this shortly must take place it means in a brief space of time hastily quickly speedily we know he's coming soon and yet I won't read it all tonight, 2 Peter 3. He speaks of this and talks about in the last days, scoffers will come. Why? They walk according to their own lust. They got a carnal appetite. They just want to try to satisfy the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And again, there's never any satisfaction in that. And so when you start talking about the things of God, the coming of Christ... <clears throat> to try to ease even that conviction of the spirit of God well we'll scoff at that we'll mock that we'll come against that and the scripture says they they forget that the Lord judged the world once out of water oh Steve make believe stuff Noah and the ark well number one Jesus affirmed that and that's good enough for me and then secondly, go on the highest mountain of the world and guess what you're gonna find up there? Seashells and fossils from the ocean. 
But again, let's remember, as he says here, this one thing that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's so gracious. He's so merciful. He has tarried in his coming to this point wanting people to repent calling them to himself verse 7 behold i am coming quickly blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book jesus is not a liar amen, amen. jesus speaks truth he says i am coming quickly which means in haste Revelation twenty two twelve. Behold, I am coming quickly. Verse twenty. Surely I am coming quickly. And then notice the response. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. In the Greek, Maranatha. Come soon, Lord Jesus. We had uh, on our bumper stickers for the radio station. You know, lastdaysradio.com. dot com. The Lord is coming soon you know put on that bumper sticker and i remember we threw it up on facebook when we launched that thing and had it out there and some people rejoiced in it you know at all these questions and so forth and some people mocked it and i expect that from the world but then one guy got on there was a pastor down in san louis mocking the second coming of jesus christ you're like oh you know those those mainline denominations dude pastors a baptist church down there and I know not all Baptist churches are the same, but mocking the coming of the Lord. He got rebuked pretty hard, not by me. Someone else stepped in and like just, I came back later and dude got thrown down on. And he said, thanks for sharing and like disappeared back into whatever. <laughs> like I'm thinking, what are you teaching in that church? Jesus said, behold, I'm coming quickly, and you're a pastor of an evangelical church mocking the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know he doesn't speak for all pastors. Praise God for those proclaiming the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're doing their job. But boy, there's a lot of mockery today, and sadly, a lot of mockery even coming from, I won't say the church, but from Christianum. He says, behold this or don't ignore it. Jesus said to Luke 21, 36, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the son of man. And so what do I pray? Oh Lord, I pray I'm not in the, I'm not in the movies when you come or might be left behind. No, I'll tell you what, it's Jesus, forgive me. Because the only thing count you worthy to escape is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Count me worthy, God. I want to call on you, Lord, and then the evidence of that faith absolutely follows. But are you watching tonight? Are you looking? Does that affect your life? I know some people hear this, oh, you guys are so heavily minded. Oh, don't focus in on that stuff. That does you no good here. No, knowing God is coming back should influence our life. How many parables did Jesus tell about, again, workmen giving an account, talents having to be, you know what, balanced out what did you do were you looking were you watchful or did you say my master delays his coming and he began to beat his fellow servants there's a lesson in that when people start saying oh the lord's not coming that doesn't stir up a work of the spirit of god in them it stirs up carnality in them again beating fellow servants that's not a fruit of the holy ghost that's a work of the flesh quickly also refers to birth pains or sorrows we looked at this in the all of a discourse in matthew 28 and there's kind of a twofold thing in this he is coming quickly a day of the lord is a thousand years a thousand years of the day he he dwells out time outside of time and space so something that seems so long to us is so short 
if you're outside of the timeline while still again being omnipresent but it speaks of birth pains and sorrows that when these things begin to happen that the lord talked about there in matthew 28 wars rumors of wars deception the rebirth of israel as a nation disturbances pestilences and persecutions the love of many growing cold on and on that they'll increase they'll get faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and are they not increasing getting faster and faster and faster and faster and faster they're delusional a delusional world just a, a world that is just getting more and more hardened a lot of this stuff doesn't even in the news i know the other day there was a like a seven point something earthquake in um well, the day before, there was one in, I can't remember if it was, where was it? Taiwan. Taiwan. And then the next day, there was one in Mexico. And then Santa Rosa. Okay. <laughs> They're all over. No, you're right. Thank you for that. But a lot of this stuff doesn't even get reported. It's an increasing of it. Well, we can track them now, and back then we couldn't. No, they can track major earthquakes in history, and there are way more. And boy, let's pray for our state, because it seems like we're due. (laughs) Behold, I'm coming quickly. Then he says, blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Are we pro-blessing tonight? Can we say amen to that? Again, at the beginning, Revelation 1-3, blessed is he who reads... And, and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep the things that are written in it for the time is near. So it's not just reading, it's hearing. God, get it in me. Wash me with your word. Let it renew my mind. And then I want to keep, I want to go act. I want to walk in it. I want to keep these truths before me. There's blessing found in that. There's not blessing in just reading, but not really hearing and acting. It's hearing. It's, Lord, get out from me whatever's in me that's going to hinder me from really hearing. Because sometimes, again, we don't want to hear certain things, right? (laughs) Sometimes we want to form a godliness, but we want to deny the power versus saying, okay, Lord, take me to task. Search me, O Lord. Try me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any hurtful way. I mean, if there is, remove it. That was David saying, Lord, if I need to be taken to the woodshed, so be it. Come shine a light. I don't want to just read. I want to hear so I can get up and I can go and I can do. Again, blessed is he who keeps the words of this book. Keeps here, again, it means to, to, to guard, to watch over, to preserve. It also, again, means to walk in. And it's kind of a dual thing. We walk in his word, we do his word, but it's also a call again to keep his word. We get so many exhortations and so many of them are even tied into end times prophecies and exhortations to preach the word, to be unashamed of the word. Jude 3, contend contend earnestly for the faith. And so it's so important we keep the word in the sense of I want to walk in the word, but we keep the word as a people, as a fellowship. We keep preaching the Bible. I'll tell you a death sentence to to anything called Christian is when we quit preaching the word. We quit standing in the word. I saw a thing uh, in in a news deal I get where this church it sounds like when it was originally founded it was sound and then you know generations went by and then about i don't know what it was like seven eight nine years ago they went full-on lgbtq they embraced matthew vine's demonic theology where just scriptures twisted about those things and these other guys and boy it was national media and headlines and this is the future of christianity and whatnot well last sunday they closed their doors and I say, glory to God. But at the same thing, thing, if you don't abide in the vine, you're going to die. You're going to die. We need to keep the word. Preaching the word. 
Again, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Notice, for the time will come, and let me tell you, the time has come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they'll heap up for themselves teachers. And notice, turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. We want to walk in the call to, again, walk in his commands, knowing even they're not burdensome. We want to keep the promise of the coming of the Lord in our heart. And we want to keep the word. We want to keep, we, 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 we want to do everything we can not to be Laodicean. Again, mixed theology, opinion with a little of the word. The, it, it produces, again, the Lord saying, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Oh, Lord, help us to be reflective of that church of Philadelphia that upheld the word. And he said, you just got a little bit of strength but you upheld the word. Lord, help us in that. We'll stop right there. I think we did pretty good. We got all the way down to verse eight. We'll pick it up there next week and we'll see John heeding all these things and so excited his emotions get the best of him. But again, praise God. He's patient with us. He's gracious towards us. He also corrects us, and John receives the correction. He's coming quickly, amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we bless you. We praise you, God. You know, Lord, I just thank you, God. There's there's just a ton of encouragements here tonight. There's just, Lord, a lot of truth here to rejoice in. I really believe, God, these passages are in part intended to really just stir up our hope, God. To help us, Lord, in the difficulties that come at times in the valley of the shadow of death. Help us, God. We say amen to that. Help us, Lord. And then, Lord, we looked at instruction here tonight, just comparing Scripture with Scripture. What a glorious day when we see you face to face, Help us to get our eyes on you tonight. Can we say amen to that? Help us to be a people, God, that, again, heed the word, that are abounding in it, that have a hunger for it. Stir that up in us this evening, Lord. And listen, if you're here tonight, you don't know Jesus Christ. Today's the day of salvation. I don't, I don't know what's happening exactly tomorrow, but I know right now, today where we are right now, today's the day of salvation. Can you confidently say he's my Lord and Savior? If you can't, listen, you can. We talked a lot about humility tonight. Confession, yeah, I'm a sinner. My way is the wrong way. Lord, I need you. I need to be washed and forgiven. I need the Lord, God, the King of Kings, to be my Lord, my God, the King of Kings, the King of my life. Lord, I'm ready to follow you. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to be your disciple i'm ready to enter into that adoption of a son i'm ready to be a servant of the lord that's what it is to call on the name of the lord i say i'm I'm turning from this i'm turning from the graveyard i'm turning to where life is found jesus saved me and washed me and set me free and again the word says whoever i love that word whoever whoever will call on the name of the lord will be isn't that an awesome phrase there will be saved if you haven't call on them call on them lord you know where everyone is here tonight god encourage your saints if there's any that don't know you god i hope and pray they'll call on you i'd hope at the minimum god you won't let that old 
dirty bird, the devil, steal away these seeds, God. I'd even pray tonight, Lord, if anyone sat in here upset with the preaching of the word, that all the more, Lord, you'd stir up truth in them, God. They come to that place of just yielding, God, that place of life. Life comes when we yield, (laughs) when we yield to you. Bless your servants here tonight, God. Bless your sons and daughters here, each one of them. Lord, we're, we're all in this sort of speak together. We all need you here tonight. We need your grace. We need your mercy. We need your help. We need your aid. We need our eyes on you, God. We need even those blinders attached to the side of our heads, God. Help us. Bless every marriage here tonight, God. Bless every one of your saints here in that place of singleness, God. Encourage and strengthen them, God. The rest in you, God. Be encouraging you tonight, God, not to be anxious, but all the more, God, to abound in you and their singleness. So we just thank you, Lord. We praise you. Thank you for our time here. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and we sit together. Amen. 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 God bless you.